just to share a little bit of our story, and I just kind of want to unpack a little more of this idea, if I may, of saying yes to God. This idea of saying yes to God. You guys are currently in a series um, studying the Abraham, studying the man Abraham in Genesis. And Abraham, as Hugh preached last week, is the only person to ever be called a friend of God. What a phrase, a friend of God. Abraham, the Bible tells us, believed God. Very simple statement, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He believed God and he did what he said. So, so far we're starting off not complicated. He believed God, he did what he said. And, and God, I'm not going to spend too much time on this today, but God is always a gathering and ascending God. When you think about it, God is a God who gathers, but he's also a God who sends. There's this rhythm of gathering and sending. God says to Abram, I will make you, a, I'll make your descendants a great nation. I will gather a people to myself from you. But also they're going to be a blessing to all peoples of the earth. So there's this gathering and there's this sending happening. The Bible says Jesus is building his church. Restoration is part of the church that Jesus is building. But Jesus also said, go and make disciples of all nations. There's a gathering, and there's a sending, and as soon as we feel like we've gotten comfortable gathering, we need to remember God is sending us. And as soon as we, we go, and we go, and we go, and maybe we're more comfortable on the move, we need to remember that God is also a gathering God, and he's looking to bring people to himself. Jesus stood over Jerusalem and said, how I've longed to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Jesus talking like that. The one who's also said, go and make disciples. There's this rhythm of sending, sending and gathering that God is in all the time. And it's a rhythm and it's a part of his character that we need to say yes to. You guys have said yes to at Restoration. And Jess and I, as best we can, are saying yes to it as well. And like she said, we haven't done anything. Don't high-five us. We just said we're going, you know, getting a whole lot of credit and, and airtime. <laughs> but, we, but, we but we are moving this summer to plant a church in response to how we feel we've heard God. And the, the great thing about uh, hearing God and saying yes to him is, is, is that it's something we all can do. We all can do. And I, so because it's something we all can do, I'm, I'm a question asker. I like to ask questions all the time. It's probably annoying if you get to know me. I'm always asking questions. But this question comes to mind. What, what is the makeup of this saying yes to God thing? What's the anatomy of that? How is it formed? Um, not necessarily to go through it in each of your lives today, practical point by point, because that's such a personal thing. But I'm trusting that as we talk about this reality of saying yes to God, that it's going to resonate in your hearts and you're, you're going to start to see maybe with a new perspective in your life where God is calling you to say yes to him. And don't judge the bigness or the smallness of things. Just judge where God is calling you to say yes to him. Because no matter the factors in our lives compared to others, our yes, our yes is something that we all have. We all own our yes and we can all give it to God. And we don't need to compare that to how God is calling others to say yes as well. This phrase, glorify Jesus everywhere, that'll be undermined by a comparison. If we're always comparing, no, we're always glorifying Jesus and saying yes. You might hear our story and say, I wish God would call me to plant a church somewhere. Don't compare. You might hear our story and go, they're nuts. I will never do that. We've had that heart position. But our yes is something we all own. If yes was a salary, we all get paid the same amount. And our yes is something we can give to God. So I want to ask the question today, if we can sit on this for a minute. How do we arrive at saying yes to God? How do we arrive at saying yes to God? How is that moment made? 
What's the makeup of that heart position? And just the idea of saying yes to God is a very intensely personal thing. And as soon as I say it, I bet your minds and hearts all across the room go to a lot of different places. To some of you, maybe you have known Jesus as your Lord and Savior for a long time. And this idea of saying yes to God is an exciting thing. It's, wow, I, I love this topic. It's, it's super exciting to me. I want to grow in it. Maybe the idea of saying yes to God conjures up something different in you. Maybe it's just this idea of the potential of dry rule obeying and obedience and just saying yes to the God of the universe. That's okay. Maybe the idea of saying yes to God is, is too topical of a sermon. Nah, it's not really talked about in scripture and maybe we need to have some more verse by verse uh, that would make me more comfortable. Well, have we got a surprise sermon for you this morning, if that's, if that's true. But whatever you're feeling toward the idea of saying yes to God, we do need to ask the question of how we arrive there. We do need to ask the question, does the Bible describe how our hearts get to that place where we look at the Lord and we say, yes, yes, to the big, to the small, to the increments, to the question while you're folding laundry, all the way to, yes, Lord, we're taking our kids to New York and we're going to go. Or we're planting a church here at Bell School in Chicago. I believe the Bible gives us a picture, lots of pictures of this anatomy of, of becoming a yes man or a yes woman to God. That's a good phrase for us today, that yes man, yes woman. But the, one, the place I want to camp out for a minute today is in Isaiah chapter 6. So in your phones, in your Bibles, it'll also be on the screen behind me. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And we get to witness today the making of a yes sayer. The making of a yes sayer. When I typed in the word sayer, Microsoft Word was telling me it's not a word, so I added it to my dictionary. It's officially a word. So this is now being recorded. It's a word. Yes, sayer. We get to witness the making of one. And it's not just words or worship, but it's the birthing of giving oneself over fully to God to say yes to him. We're starting in Isaiah chapter 6, which tells you that there's been five full chapters before this of Isaiah's life. Isaiah was a prophet. He was a prophet before this, and in the first five chapters, we already see him functioning in this gift of being a prophet. He's already listening to God. He's already decreeing what the Lord is saying about Judah and Jerusalem. He's functioning in this role before God, but something different happens in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. Something different happens in Isaiah's heart. And my prayer is that it's not going to be esoteric and distant for us, but that it'll actually be near and accessible and something that we're going to yearn for from God as well. God intends for us to say yes to him, and he gives an anatomy of how that happens. And we enter into that the way that Isaiah did, or Isaiah gives us a picture of what it looks like. So let's follow the interaction between God and Isaiah in, in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah, and let's see the journey that Isaiah takes. You guys okay? Happiness? Okay, just start throwing things if I need to not come back. Perfect. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This vision, we're going to unpack it. It's a lot there. 
a whole lot of words we use every day, like seraphim. I like those curtains. They're the color of seraphim. This vision gives Isaiah something that is crucial to saying yes to God, to becoming a yes-sayer, and that is a revelation of who God is. A revelation of who God is. Those four words, I saw the Lord. So I want to submit to you first and foremost that the anatomy of saying yes to God, how saying yes to God is made, firstly requires a revelation of who God is. His character, his holiness, his might, his eternal uh, unbounded power, his love, his holiness, his grace, his very being. And although Isaiah was a prophet, he was already functioning in this role, in this gift, this revelation of God undoes him. He's undone by this revelation of who God is. You, you can almost feel like Isaiah's words are struggling to describe what he was actually seeing. So his observations are this. He's, he sees this vast temple and throne, and, and the, just the robe that God is, is wearing, just the robe, the train of it, fills the entirety of the temple. Just the robe. Just the robe. And then these seraphim. What are seraphim? The Hebrew understanding of seraphim was that they were fire angels. They were angels of fire. And they were the angels that were closest to the throne of God at all times. They were the angels who eternally, moment by moment, declared the holiness of God, never ceasing, never stopping. And this fire represented a burning love and passion for the holiness of God and glory of God. And those seraphim, all the time, never stopping, are calling out to one another, all over the room, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like, have you seen God? The whole earth is full of his glory. And then heaven itself, the entire throne room itself, is rocked and shakes and is filled with smoke just when they talk about the holiness of God. God isn't even saying anything yet. It's just talking about the holiness of God and the foundations of the place are shaking. And there stands Isaiah gazing on all of this, drinking in a revelation of who God is and what he's like. And I have to think, I'm going to go out on a limb here, I have to think that Isaiah agreed with the seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. This is a revelation of God that this man receives. And it's wondrous, and it's awe-inspiring, and it's mind-blowing. And to be honest, it feels sometimes to me a little safe to just read about. Put some distance between ourselves and the page of Scripture. So we need to ask how Isaiah responded in the moment to begin to feel some of what Isaiah was feeling. So how did Isaiah respond? Let's, let's pick it up in, in Isaiah 6, verse 5. Ready for these three words? Woe to me! <laughs> Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen, seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That word woe, another word we don't exactly use every day, it means unmitigated doom be visited upon me. I'm done. I'm gone. I have no right to exist anymore. Isaiah in his astute powers of observation, makes, makes a very clear realization. He and God are different. <laughs> he and God are slightly different. Isaiah catches not just a revelation of God. He is getting a revelation of God, but a revelation of God comes with something else for Isaiah, and that's a revelation of Isaiah himself. A revelation of Isaiah himself. And that revelation that Isaiah catches is not awesome. It's not awesome. 
Isaiah's first thoughts are not the following. This is a really cool temple. I really like what God has done with the place. The smoke and shaking is a nice touch. I know that God is holy. I'm getting that. And um, I know I'm not holy, but I'm God's super special creation. He fearfully and wonderfully made me. And I am really banking on the fact that God is probably a laid-back guy, and I can be here kind of just making myself comfortable. He will be cool with that. He's super gracious. And maybe God and I can just kind of pose for a selfie real quick. And just, God, can you just scoot over? It's almost itchy to talk that way, isn't it? It feels almost blasphemous, but I know I'm in Hugh and Vanessa's church, so I can, I can dance on that line. I listen to the podcast. No, Isaiah doesn't react that way. Isaiah says, woe to me. In one second, a revelation of God produces a revelation of himself to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, woe to me. I'm not holy. Now, I want to pause for just a second. I'm not, I'm not up here saying that we should hate ourselves because God is holy. I'm not saying that, or that we should have self-loathing. We're midway through the process of God making a yes-sayer, remember? So the anatomy of saying yes to God depends firstly on a revelation of God, but it also depends on us getting a revelation of ourselves. A revelation of ourselves. That's where we are in this process. So I'm not making a case for self-loathing. I'm making a case for authentically seeing ourselves in light of who God is. And we're not done seeing this whole process yet. But that revelation of God begets a revelation of who we are. And it's not a hard place to arrive. Isaiah gets it right away. Woe unto me. It's all through Scripture. Romans 3.23 probably says it clear, clearest. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah realizes this right away. God has the glory and the holiness. I fall short of that. And while that revelation of ourselves is not pretty, it's not a place God intends us to stay. It's not a place God intends us to stay. If this is where we ended today... Not good. <laughs> not good. But it's not where God intends us to stay, and it's not where God keeps Isaiah. It's not where God keeps Isaiah. Let's follow along. Just, we're just looking at the anatomy of what it means to say yes to God. So verse 6 and 7, let's read together. Isaiah has a revelation of God. Isaiah has received a revelation of himself. And what happens? Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. When he, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. This is a crazy moment. Have you ever, done, have you ever, have you ever been uh, in the moment of judgment, and you know you're guilty, and it's just don't even try? Right? Like, you ever been caught, and you know you deserve what's coming to you? When I was 19, I was driving home uh, from West Palm Beach, to Jacksonville, Florida. I, I grew up in Jacksonville, and I was going to school in West Palm Beach. And I had an 85 Pontiac Bonneville, and it had the wooden dash. It was like a land yacht. This thing was awesome. And it had the analog clock with the second hand that just never stopped moving. If it stopped, I knew my battery was dead. But the speedometer didn't work. So I sped all the time, and I just claimed ignorance. <laughs> so I'm cruising up I-95, and I'm going at least 90, 95 miles an hour, and it's 65, 70. And it, as is the case, blueberries and cherries in my rearview mirror. Florida Highway Patrol is right there. And the, how do I put this? 
um, the nicest looking woman gets out of the squad car. And she, I can just tell as soon as she gets out, she means business. <laughs> and I'm caught. I don't have an argument. I was speeding. So she walks up, taps on my window. We do the dance. You know, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. None of you guys have ever been there. I know. And she says exact words to me. Son, eh, no, I'm dead. <laughs> Son, you were doing 90 miles an hour. Do you want a ticket or are you just stupid? And I'm like, this is going great. So in all seriousness, I turned right to her and I said, ma'am, um, given that those are my options, I'm stupid. She gave me a warning <laughs> and I got off. <laughs> but I knew I was caught. I knew I was caught. This moment when the seraphim flies up to Isaiah, I, when we read the whole statement and we see what the seraphim does, we think, oh, this is beautiful and wonderful. Isaiah must have been excited. No, 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 no. Isaiah doesn't know what's about to happen. This, could be, this is the moment of judgment. This is the moment when Isaiah, one of the, they finally realize I'm here. Oh, shoot. And the seraphim's flying up to Isaiah, and Isaiah has to be thinking, I'm done. I'm about to get what I deserve, because woe unto me. It's a moment, it's, it's based in truth, it's actual, this is judgment, this is deserved, this is true justice, I'm not getting out of this. And when we have that kind of revelation of God, and that kind of revelation of ourselves, and we just stay in a moment of God's judgment, it can only produce one thing, and that's fear. It can only produce one thing, and I have to imagine that Isaiah was feeling some of that at that moment, because there's no escape. But instead, something else happens. At the very moment of judgment, at the intersection of holiness and justice and deserving and power and God being right, God intercepts fear by extending grace. God intercepts fear by extending grace and providing redemption. So Isaiah isn't just off the hook. Isaiah is made holy. The seraphim says, this has touched your lips. Your sin, th that exact word, another word we use every day, is atoned for. It's done. It's paid. You can be here. You can be here amidst the rocking and the smoke and the declaration and God's train filling the temple. Find a place to stand. He's holy. You can be here. So the anatomy of saying yes to God, where we're building here, requires a revelation of God. It requires a revelation of who we are. But God intends redemption to invade that revelation of who we are. God intends redemption to invade the anatomy of a yes-sayer. Now I want to make something very clear. God's redemption is not a prerequisite for obeying and worshiping him. He's holy. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. He deserves our obedience. But he extends his redemption because as holy as God is, he is also gracious. And we cannot separate the two. The moment we live only in the holiness of God or only in the grace of God, we have missed him. God's redemption is based on who he is, but it changes our view of who we are. It's based on who he is, but it changes our view of who we are. And he intends this redemption for everyone. As much of a through line throughout scripture as our unholiness is, God's redemption is as much present. I referenced Romans 3.23 earlier, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what's great about Romans 3.23? Romans 3.24. 
because the sentence is completed. And Romans 3.24 says, and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. The reality of our distance from God and, and the revelation of him that produces this this sinful revelation of us, the reality of that is that God does not intend us to stay there. He doesn't intend us to stay there. This is the gospel of Jesus. God is holy. We are not. Jesus took our unholiness and paid for it by living holy and dying on the cross. And God raised him from the dead, and before Jesus ascended to heaven, he reminded us that if we say to him, Jesus, be master and Lord of my life, my faith and my trust is in you, he will come into our lives never to leave us. Never to leave us. And it's like the seraphim coming up and saying, you're atoned for. You're atoned for. Yes saying, yes saying, being a yes sayer to God is built on a change in our response to who God is. Changing from the response of fear to the response of identity. To the response of having our identity rooted in God through Jesus Christ. It's a new revelation of who we are. And God intends that redemption to invade. So we've seen this progression of revelation. A revelation of God. A revelation of us in light of it. And then we see God change that very revelation of us to holy from sinful so if the anatomy of saying yes to God, you guys okay? If the anatomy of saying yes to God is built on a revelation of who God is, and if the anatomy of saying yes to God is built on a revelation then of who we are, and then God redeems that revelation of who we are, what happens when that foundation is laid? Well, spoiler alert, we can say yes to God. We can simply say yes to God. I wish it was more complicated than that. I wish it was more theologically juicy. It's just not. We can say yes to God. It's not just an idea. It's not just a moment. It's not just about knowing what God says. I want to put a word to you, and, and, I, and I want you to chew on it for a minute. I want to say this is about devotion to God. This is about devotion to God. That's the anatomy of a yes-sayer. So whatever the idea of saying yes to God first conjured up in you, whether it was an attractive idea or get that away from me or I have no idea what you're saying, every single one of us owns our yes. And it's something we can give to God in devotion, in the big, in the small, without comparing to others. Our yes is something we can spend on God. Now the question is, did Isaiah respond this way? Did Isaiah respond this way? Let's see. In the 8th verse, all this has happened to Isaiah. Isaiah's had himself a little bit of a day, right? He's had himself a little bit of a moment in the throne room of heaven. And in the 8th verse of, of Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord. So God finally speaks. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I, Isaiah, said, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. So God has a commission he's ready to give Isaiah. God has a mission that he's ready for Isaiah to join. And think of where Isaiah has gone from. From a revelation of God's holiness to this, to this not-so-great revelation of who Isaiah is. God redeems that revelation. And then God has a commission ready and tailor-made for Isaiah. Isaiah doesn't need to compare to anyone. He doesn't need to disqualify himself at all because God has fully qualified him. And what does God want? He doesn't just want to give Isaiah a commission. He wants Isaiah's devotion. Because someone who is devoted to God is a yes 
sayer, is a yes woman, a yes man, and that is a person to whom God can give anything to and can partner in any way. It's a simple statement of devotion and of adoration. I like to put it this way. Devotion is my favorite definition of obedience to God. Devotion is obeying not for position with God. It's obeying from our position with God. Obeying for to earn a position with God, that's, that's achievement. That's religion. That's don't upset God. But obeying from our position is devotion to God based upon the revelation of ourselves that he has redeemed us. As Ephesians says, you were included in Christ when you believed the gospel of your salvation. Saying yes to God is the freedom to express uninhibited devotion in the big and the small, in the life-altering things and the small things that lead up to life-altering things, maybe. But it's the freedom to say yes to God. It's that resounding phrase, here am I, send me, that Isaiah ends up at. And we know, Isaiah, 60 more chapters of Isaiah, (laughs) that he walks out this call that God has on him, all because he was not smitten and woe unto him. He was redeemed and cleansed. And so as I bring this into a close, I'm going to hand it back to Hugh in just a moment. As, we, as Jess and I have been praying for, for you all as a church, it's just that question of what, is it, what does that look like? What does spending your yes on God look like? What does freedom from comparison look like? Maybe you're sitting here today and you go, I don't, I, I've never thought about who God actually is and actually his prerogative because he's holy to, to command my life. Not, not in a burdensome way, but in a gentle way. Maybe there's dreams here that you hold, that you've put on the shelf as Jess shared. We did that. We put things on the shelf and God was saying, just say yes. Just say yes to me. Maybe you're in a season where there's, where there's waiting. You feel like God has something for you and, and, and you're waiting and waiting. Then wait with all your heart patiently on the Lord and keep a posture of yes before him and have that posture. The Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Here am I, send me.